Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Winner Winner Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Mike, a.k.a. MTBT Rigger. And today with me is the always affable, the one heart. Say hello, one heart. (laughs) (laughs) No? Maybe Mike should do it. That's a fantastic uh, American accent. Really I mean, <laughs> but it's bad. No, that's good. That's just like go it's it's show. a good bad. It, it, I, I like to trigger and rough. I didn't get to say rough. I don't like the way you say your R's. It I for whatever reason it offends me. Mm-hmm. I, it, I'm just waiting for, <laughs> waiting for Mike to start the real thing. Sorry about that. So good. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Winner Winner PUBG Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger. We have a monster episode coming up for you today. With me, I've got Grifflicious, The One Heart, and Heathy Keithy. We've got a full cast today. Gentlemen, we just got a brand new dev letter. We have a new patron, and we've got a full topic list today. How the heck are you? Wonderful. Great. You don't get news like this every day. This is huge. I mean, I think, do we talk about the bombshell first or do we save that for later? I think we just get right into it. Let's do this. We've got a new patron, so I think it's worth jumping into that first and then we go into the bombshell dev letter. Bring it. We've got a new patron, Compound Killer. Thank you so much, man. Uh, He is our newest supporter of the podcast, and like everybody who becomes a supporter through Patreon, we take a question in the Discord in the Supporters Lounge, and Compound has a question for everybody here, and I think it's actually a really good one, and um, it seems like it's a simple answer to me, but I bet you we all have a different opinion on it. So Compound asks us- All right, hold on, hold on, Trigger. Yo. Forgot somebody. We got another new contributing member. Yeah. Zoltan. So our actual newest, who has some questions, but this isn't going to make it this time, is Zoltan1872. So thank you as well. We really appreciate it. Sorry, we had compounds on the docket tonight, so we had him listed. We didn't get there and update it. But thank you very much. Thank you to both of you. We appreciate everyone who can contribute, anyone who's still contributing. So that's pretty awesome. But what's this question? Yeah, so we'll hit that. We'll hit Zoltan's question on the next one. But this question that Compound asks us all is what is an acceptable amount of ammo to carry? Mm. Such a good question. Now, I've been hearing jokes recently from Chaco talking about J9 amounts of ammo. What's that dude's a bit of a hoarder. How much is J9? <laughs> what are we talking about here? J9's always carrying like 355. <laughs> so that's too much. All right, um, but I guess trigger. What do you what do you try to carry? What are you looking for? <laughs> I'm so bad about ammo, man. I I find myself having to drop ammo throughout the entire game, and I just recently started using the modified keys. So, like, if you hit the way I have it set up is if you hit Alt right click, it drops half the stack. 
So I take a ton of ammo just because of how easy it is to drop ammo now and pick something else up, but I'm still wasting time, and I know that. I, I don't know. I like seeing the 250 number for some reason, but I feel like that's too much. <laughs> Total or like 40 plus 250? 40 plus there. 250, 5'6", is what so I you're usually... you're a J9. You're a J9, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on, Kevin. Before you, before you get all accusatory here, I also agree with Trigger. I think 2 to 250 is an acceptable amount. Here's why. If you're looking to push yourself into a late game situation, we're talking top 20, top 10. If you know without a doubt you can take multiple gunfights without needing to replenish any ammo, you're set. Like To me, it's all about like how far can I go before I need to loot again? Because you never know, you know, those opportunities to loot are kind of few and far between in the late game. So if that's something you don't have to worry about, then that's just one more thing. You know what I mean? So here's my argument against not being the hoarder. And I've been a hoarder for a long time. So I've, I've been like teaching myself to get lower and lower. So a while, for a while, it was like I needed at least 200, you know, on top of whatever I had in. So 230, 240 total. But I've been recently trying to go to like 140, 160 over. Because you know what I mean? You have your, your full, your total like 200, but that's about it. And the reason is I'm trying to carry more smokes and more flashbangs um, and things, you know, more utility that I can kind of use to create some cover. And I'm throwing the smokes earlier because I'll have like four of them. That's a good point. Wow. The point's good, but it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be the last. <laughs> well, what makes you uncomfortable? Not getting shot from the side because getting shot from the side is, is really uncomfortable. Well, I think it boils down to actually game mode as well. So. I'll, I'm going to bring up the example of the game we just played duos on Erangel before the cast here. And what did you tell me about your 556 situation after we were shooting down in the prison? I was very low. You were very low. And I had 300 762 that I proceeded to shoot almost all of because of all the cars that drove by us just murdering people. So I, I hear it. And, and I, I do think that I carry too much ammo. But I tend to spray. As I've learned to do 3x, 4x, and 6x sprays, I've found myself wanting more and more ammo. So the only reason, so I should have probably switched over to a 7-gun because like an, like a thing, I think there was an AK or a barrel line around, but I was using the M4 to kind of spray. I should have switched over because there was so much 7. We looted three bodies, I think, more up on top of the prison ridge. So it's not like there was no ammo. There was just no 5-5. Five five. Right. So I was just I was just being a little more cautious. But yeah, you're right. If you're just sitting there and you're like up on something and you you know, you're doing anything like that, you're going to run out possibly. But in your typical game, you're going to be running into at least one team close up when you're taking on multiple. So you'll have a quick second. Well, I definitely agree with that, too. And to play devil's advocate to the thing that I was saying earlier, it is easy enough to loot somebody if you have the opportunity to do it. But I've been watching a lot of K-Mind recently, some of his like highlight videos and stuff on YouTube, and that is one dude who is not stingy with ammo. He will spray, he pre-fires like no other, and he's constantly going through rounds and rounds and rounds of ammo, but he makes it work for him because he's using it strategically, and he's, he, he has confidence that he will find more. And so I think when it comes into that whole how much should I carry situation, I think really it just boils down to whether or not you feel confident knowing that you're going to have more or if you're somebody like 
you know, you Kev, if you were only carrying about 150 extra, you're probably not going to take as many fights or be as aggressive because you, the way that you carry your equipment and your ammo sort of is a tell about your play style. I'm not saying that you're like a weak aggressive or like passive aggressive player, but I'm just saying like you're probably less keen to run after a bunch of shots and more like, OK, I want to see how far I can get into this game. Not really. I mean, solos, I might be just playing center circle for a little bit because I've been trying that more and more. Mm-hmm. But there's basically what I'll see K-Mine do is he'll use those extra rounds to continually suppress while he pushes forward, right? Yes. So you could similarly do the same thing by smoking on them, smoking between you, and get to that next spot where you're a little bit closer. You can get those shots if you don't have the range, right? So you see two different ways to achieve the same goal where you're going to get closer. And that's part of the reason why K-Mine doesn't seem to be as worried about running out of ammo is because one he's used to firing at everything that moves because that's the way competitive works and you know you, you get more ammo on every gun that you find and there's more guns because of the competitive rule set so he's just used to spraying and he's using it in his strategy to push forward so he knows that the next guy who's also firing an m4 or a scar at him is going to have more 5.5 for him because i'm usually especially solos and duos trying to close the distance on most fights exactly i want to see the statistic in your in your PUBG lookup or whichever whichever stat site you like that actually tells you how much ammo you died with. Because like, I, I carry a lot less ammo than you guys. That's a great idea. Dude, how much ammo expended and how much held on to, onto, yeah. like what you died with would be huge. Like I only, I only carry 120 rounds. No, I'd, that would be that would be so huge for learning. Holy. On an AR, I only carry 120 rounds and then a full clip. And that's it. And I was really surprised to hear how much you guys carry. I think that's... I feel very comfortable these days with 140, 160. 120, I'm still like, I could use more. That's not to say I'm not going to end up with 240 and just have a full bag and then drop. Do you carry like 100 rounds for your SR as well, though? Like, I carry 20. What? Like 30. I carry 50. Yeah, that's it. I used to carry 100, but now I carry 50. Wow. Because I realized that I didn't use really? nearly as much as I thought I needed. You, never, you don't use anywhere near that much unless you just... I don't know. Well, here's the thing. It... Think about how easy it is, like, let's say the Car 98 or even an M24, right? How easy it is to fire off five bullets. Well, okay, so now you've lost, what is that, uh, 15%? I don't even know. Like, if you're carrying 50 rounds. I only carry 20, so yeah, 25%, yeah. We, we don't do math, yeah. I became a writer to avoid math, so don't make me do that, please. But like, so if you have 50 rounds and you fire off 20 of them, hell, let's say you're using 25 and you fire off 20 of them. That's 20%. So now, you know, how quickly you can go through that. And if you're looking at like late game peak battles and stuff, it's super easy to go through 30 rounds of 7.6 in a sniper rifle. Really? I'm dead by then or I've killed them by then. You did, these fights are going for too long. If you're shooting off 20 rounds in your SR, someone has third party you. Yeah, you're already dead. Well, it's better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. I, th- I really thought we were going to be closer on that. We're not. So I've been I've been getting into Tarkov a little bit and doing research. I'm still like not going in as more than a scav. I'm just trying to like figure out what these maps are like. But there's there's this term that that comes up a lot within Tarkov called gear fear. And in that game, it means fear of losing the gear you went in with. You know, if you got like a really nice, well kitted M4, which like if we think a fully kitted M4 in PUBG is something serious, it's like. 10 different attachments on an m4 for tarkov but gear fear is a thing people will just go in constantly with just a pistol because they're afraid of losing anything better and 
people are like, you got to get over it. Money's pretty easy to come by in this game. You'll get more stuff. Just keep going and you'll get the kills. You'll get stuff back. You know, just ensure everything. But I think in PUBG, the gear fear is not that you're going to lose something really good. It's that you don't have enough. You don't have the best thing. You don't have the ideal loadout. You don't have 300 rounds of ammo. Well, God forbid you make it to top 20 and find a crate with an M249 in it. You got to have at least 300 rounds of 5.5 then. I do that with grenades, though. Like, I don't want to throw them because they're so precious. You know, if you want to keep them for the end game. But if you don't make it to the end game because you didn't throw that grenade at the guy that was going to kill you, you know, there was no point having oh, three dude, grenades. PUBG is full of damned if you do, damned if you don't moments. Like, every single decision you make can end that way. So let me ask this question. Do you guys actually treat ammo differently between squads and solo or duos and solo? 100% Do you think no. about it differently? No. Nope. <laughs> no. Especially since I've started using the 3X to spray a lot. I, like, I'm, I'm expending a lot more ammo uh, than I used to, but it... Kind of like, you know, because I've been watching K-Mine do what Kevin was saying, being very suppressive with your full auto sprays. So that's why I've been kind of prioritizing a little more extra ammo than I used to. It used to just be 200, but then I upped it to 250, so I get another clip and a half. All right, so that's assuming you're using 5.5, right? But if you're using 7s, so are you really holding 250? I was holding 250 in that duos we just did. I know, but like, that's a lot. That's so heavy. That's, that's a so lot heavy. of your bag. You had a little buggy behind you, like, in the, in the boot of the buggy. You're just dragging them behind you? Here's the reason. So, for one, I ran over a bunch of 7.62, and then we kept getting in fights. And I'm going to bring communication into this, because while I made fun of Kev for it just a minute ago, he was really good at telling me what his situation was on meds, ammo, what he was looking for. So there's a point where we're pushing into prison, and I'm I'm getting hit by like every team that's coming around. I was a magnet for a while. And we're kind of laughing about it. But then Kev is taking shots and ends up with very little 5.56. Like he had 36 bullets at one point. Well, I had a boatload of 7.62. So then we went and got in our car and started driving. And I made the decision to not drive because I knew I had ammo. He didn't. Then we storm a compound. We, I kill two guys. He loots up. But then we he still said, I'm still looking for this, this, and this. So then we get in a buggy and drive out of there, and I made the conscious decision to, again, sit in the back of the buggy so that I can spray, and it actually worked out really well. We ended up finishing second, uh, but it, that communication piece was critical around I should have never come back for you. You really shouldn't have. You really <laughs> you shouldn't, shouldn't have. have. You're right. I should have I fought you. You're like, you can get me. It's all this smoke, but there was no smoke between me and the smoke, so I was like, snipers are going to get me. We're and talking about ammo, not my mistake. All right. Well, it was my mistake. I I was I listened to you. We're all about learning here, guys. Yeah, we are. No, it was a good game though. It was a really good game, and we go like we went through a lot of teams and stuff. It was it was fun. I think we had to hit like at least seven teams. Oh yeah, I had eleven kills. I think it was crazy. Yeah, I only had two support roll for life. <laughs> You're owning. <laughs> I'm spotting. <laughs> One of the things I want to talk about, and we're actually going to move this to the tactical section later in the show, but I want to talk about basically how to manage your inventory, and ammo is a big critical component of that, and I think being aware of what you should have ammo-wise and then what you tend to do is something that we'll probably carry into that conversation, but I know that I shouldn't carry as much ammo as I do. But I also know how much I tend to run away from fights with. And that that awareness is key. 
Well, I've had this really stupid, I mean, really stupid video idea. And I say stupid because I don't think anybody would give a shit about it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, somebody might like it. But I was debating about making uh, a PUBG loot exchange rate table, right? So everybody knows that five bandages equals one first aid kit. I didn't know that. Yeah, how many? Oh, shit. Hot scoops. I feel like Snafer should be working on this for us. Like, Snafer's our main, you know, loot marketer. Loot, sale, loot, loot tradesman. Like, yeah, the actual exchange rate. He comes across the European pipeline just to sell to Chaco, you know? If you knew that, like, okay, these many 7.6 bullets equaled these many 9 mil bullets or, or whatever, or it takes this many 5.5 to be able to pick up uh, a painkiller or uh, an energy drink. Because, like, a painkiller takes up more room than an energy drink, but not by much. Maybe it's only six bullets more. You know what I mean? Like, that pack space is, it It seems like it's ambiguous, but really it's, there. everything kind of fills into a table. I don't know. I think that would be really cool. Someone probably could get that for you pretty easily too, right? Like possibly the API, it's probably in there. Like I wonder I wonder if our, our buddy um our buddy from PUBG lookup could maybe help. I feel like I'm I would just ballpark and say like twenty two seven seven six is gonna be like a thirty five five or something, you know what I mean? So Right, something close. You know, you're not you're not positive. It says the waiting game. You it actually says it next to it in your inventory. Like exactly per Per bullet, I think it is. Well, if you're just going to bring facts into this, I don't want to talk to you. It's point zero one five. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll I'll just put I'll just mute again. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those kind of little things that, as you play the game, you kind of get a feel for what weighs what and what weighs more, and it, it kind of leads into these little niche topics of getting better at the game and this is an ammo is mostly a feel one how how much stuff weighs is mostly a feel one there's probably a handful of people out there who know the exact exchange rates in the game but i think the game does a pretty good job of you know helping you figure that out if you drop stuff and then you can pick it up like you kind of figure out what things weigh over time what it really is is these little things can actually shave off seconds over the course of a game which means positioning or better positioning or moving out of a compound before somebody else comes in as you shave off these microseconds or seconds from your game and basically all little things like this can make you better at the game so it kind of leads into our next main topic question how do you know if you're good at PUBG? there that's a very weighted question open a lot of interpretation too right like there's there's two different camps on even how the game is played mm-hmm. yeah it's either a shooter or a survival game yeah is it, is it just a frag fest on a giant map or is this a survival game on a smaller map <laughs> you know what i mean or a, or a constricted time limit map i don't know it's a bit airy fairy guys like how do you know like where, where do you, you strike the balance between the two right there's not really a clear metric of if you're getting better or not there's no mmr system at least not one that we can see and it's a common point that the community points out that there's not a quote-unquote ranked mode but there's a lot of third-party sites out there that track stats so my question was how do you know if you're getting better at this game how do you know if you're good at the game is there a metric that you guys are looking at to gauge your performance I think there's a lot of subjective and objective facts in terms of what makes a good player and what doesn't, right? Like, if you're looking solely on wins, it doesn't matter how many kills you get. 
realistically, you only need one kill, and that's if the other guy is in the final zone with you. Shit, he could be stuck outside and die to the play zone. You could win with no kills and still have a good win rate, you know? But even with kills, I think the biggest thing that the community looks at when they're like whether or not a player is good or not, especially a lot of my trolls on YouTube, are people that complain about ADR, average damage per round. And they think if you're under a certain number, then you're this level of player. And that's really tough because say you're somebody who can get 10 kills a game, I'd say that makes you a pretty decent player. But if you don't do that consistently, then that's going to hurt your average, right? So then you end up landing somewhere in the like 200 to 300 range, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but people look at that as going, oh, that's a very subpar player. They, they're saying 200 to 300 is a subpar. I don't think they realize how how few people are in that three, especially that when you get to like the 300 range. I don't think they realize how many, how few people. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what a lot of trolls on like Reddit and YouTube, they'll be like, oh, this guy's only a 200 ADR. Someone who's going to bitch within 10 minutes of a video being posted about someone's ADR is someone who does not need to be listened to because they're just trolling in the comments. Like, I don't, I don't believe their shit as far as I can throw it. Trolls have a place, right? They, they spark a conversation that maybe, maybe they're taking something and blowing it way out of the mark. But what do you think the average player, if you take the entire player population, let's just, let's talk North American FPP market. That's what most of us play. That's what most of this market plays. There's a heavy third person as well, but what do you think the average ADR is across the board? I would bet 135 to 180. That's two kills. No, you think the this? average player is a two-kill-a-game person? I think it's, I think it's one. Because statistically, everybody except for one person has to die in a round. Do we have an answer? So I think if you get one kill and you play 100 rounds, you should probably get one win. That would be the average. I, I think win is a completely different thing, though. Yeah. And this is why it gets so interesting, right? Because I think if you if you break it down, there's 100 people in a game most of the time, and eat, oh, 99 of them die. I don't know. It's super interesting. I think the average is probably closer to one. So let me ask you this. Have you ever looked somebody's ADR up? Do you think that is a good metric of a good player? ADR is the one that I look at the most because for myself especially, right? I look at him the most myself, and it's it's bad, and it's not gotten better in the past two weeks. I've actually not played as much and been playing, like, tired and playing, like, dog shit recently. So I've been trying to, like, just take a step back and get a little more rest, and I'm having some better games. But, you know, how you go into a game really affects it, right? So my goal is to get to 200 ADR soon. Now, that's not to say that I'm not, like, able to contribute to games but I'm not the fragger right now. I can't keep saying I'm new to PC, but I'm still learning these things. I'm still putting myself in so many uncomfortable situations so that I can learn where it's just like, I just want combat experience that I'm not like playing safe enough to wait to take this shot or not peek because I'm just trying to see if I can do it. You know, I'm peeking more than I need to just to see if I can pull it off. And a lot of times I can't, but it's okay. You know what I mean? I learned, oh, maybe I should have like, peek the other side I should have done this you win or you learn like wacky jack he says my stats are terrible because of that approach so you got to think about like people go into every game and their their goals aren't always the same as yours you know some people are going in for a very mm. specific reason and it could just be to troll it could just be to to learn something or they're going to snake it out for the win 
or they're trying to get the 10 kill win and, and have a 400 ADR, which like almost no one has. But Right. Well, I just looked through a couple of the big guys, right? So where do you think Chaco and K-Mine land? Well, K-Mine, I would guess, is like 700. If you're looking at his pub, are you looking at whom? Yes, his public account or K-Mine's like uh, official thing? I'm just looking at the official K-Mine one. I'd guess in the four or five hundreds. He's like 700 on that one. How do you spell that? <laughs> it's like H-M-M, maybe two M's, and then yes. It was okay. Like... okay, there we go. Holy cow, yeah, that one is 716 in solos. Yeah, that's K-Mine's pub, pub stomping account. Fair enough. Where he does so all like, stuff from. But on his just official K-Mine account, he's around 400, mid four, high, mid to high fours. Chaco, mid to high fours. Hambino, 560. <laughs> yeah, dude. But then Halifax, 220. 200, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah, but Halifax is the best calls, and he drives like a maniac, but it works. Any day of the week, any of these guys could eat anybody's lunch. Yet, if you tried to compare them against that metric, they all stack up very disproportionately. Well, and that's that's kind of why I was bringing up the point is I, I really like ADR as a self-analyzing metric, right? So my ADR in solos and duos is somehow the same right now. It's 353. And I look at that and I if I if I just took ADR and I go look at Halifax, Swag, Chaco, whatever, and I'm looking at that one metric, I, I don't think I can sit here and say like, oh, I'm better than Halifax. Or I'm comparable to... No, just just do it. Just say it. Throw it down. Don't I'm be looking at vision stats. He's at like 365 and like 420 for duo. But I think the problem with judging people off of that is it would be sort of like looking at a football team, just the team, and they're like, oh, dude, look at their rushing yards. Look at their passing yards. It's like, okay, but they don't win shit. They're not a good team. I don't care if they have the best quarterback in the league. If they can't make it to playoffs, are they really worth a shit? So, like, yeah, you get six kills a game, but you don't win any games at all. And the purpose of PUBG is to survive and be number one. I don't know. If you get six kills a game and you don't win at all, I think you're still doing fucking well. I'm not saying that you aren't, but, like, if the purpose of the game (laughs) is to win it, that's really what matters. You know what I mean? Maybe. But, see, and that's, again, we're getting into that area that it's what do you want to get good at? There is actually a significant population in this game that never picks up a gun. And all they do is try to survive as long as they can without picking up guns. So for them, ADR means nothing. Win percent and survival time means everything. Mm -hmm. That's why the original question I asked was, how do you determine if you're good at this game? And I think this is the main thing that it's probably why we don't have a ranked mode, right? Because what do you measure? Because you just brought up win percentage effectively, mm. right? And it's like, so I look, I feel like I'm good at the game. I look at all these different stats and I can kind of compare them against other people. But when I'm looking at solo, I have a 10.8% win percentage, 353 ADR and a 3.3 KD. I feel like that's pretty good, but I also know that I die a lot, and I die to stupid stuff, right? So it's like, and bad mistakes that I make, but these stats are good for me to monitor over time, and I and that's really what I wanted to get at was, 
you know, if you're if you're playing this game and trying to get better, one of the things to do is to pick a stat and focus on it. For right? Sure. If you pick winning and you want to get better at winning, well, focus on winning the game. Well, I disagree with that. If you if if you want to win, but you're getting eaten alive in every fight, what makes you think that you're going to beat the guy in you know the second to last guy that you're supposed to kill, who's kitted to the teeth and has fought you know hundreds of fights that you know that season, and you're avoiding every fight that whole season. Well, and and I guess that was going to be my point, though. Is if you're focused on winning, you're going to get to a point where you start figuring out the things that are causing you to not win. And maybe that's close quarters combat in the very end, because maybe you're really good at snaking around, but then that final kill you can just never seem to get. Well, that's when I think you look at, okay, why am I dying? Why, why can't I win this game? And it's because of close quarters combat. And I think if you focus on a stat or a few stats, you're going to figure out why you're not moving forward. And this whole conversation is about helping people get better at the game. And your your point is exactly on, Kev, that if you just avoid fights all the time, you're going to get to a point where you maybe get stuck in position five and six and you die in the top five all the time and you never win. And that's when you got to say, OK, I can I can get to the end of the game, but now I need to learn how to shoot. So then you go focus on that. And that's what's going to make you a well-rounded player, in my opinion. So I've been trying recent, just like recently, I finally switched from the idea of like, I'm going to try and chase like shots. I'm going to try and get kills and get, get down and dirty and like learn the shooting. Right. I feel like that's starting to come, but now I've been switching my solos at least to center circle and trying to win and holding, you know, holding for that to see what the, you know, the end game meta looks like, because it's markedly different from third, third person on Xbox. Right. So I haven't played solos on PC in the late game too often because I was just hot dropping paradise or something right so now what I've realized is when I'm playing alone my struggle comes at the end of the game not if I'm holding a house and my urban combat is pretty damn good my sniping's getting there but what I really get fucked up on right now is the mid game like the mid range game when I'm playing in open fields and it's you know that's peeking through the grass stuff that people who have been playing first person for two years have got down and I'm still just kind of edging my way into that. And I find that that's when I die a lot is like cresting a hill and just doing it a little, taking a little bit too long on those open field kind of engagements where you're like working between cover. So that's my new thing is like I got to work on getting caught out in those areas and fighting through it, you know. Can't emphasize enough how much repositioning matters in the mid game. Yeah. It matters a lot in the end game and the early game too, but like, in the mid game, especially when people get so tunnel visioned, like they forget that there's like 30 or 40 other people. And when they see one dude, they just put all their effort into that guy. If they lost you in a building or over a ridge, you can be damn sure they're going to continue to peek that one spot waiting for you to come back because they assume you're just as greedy as they are. And so if you can play with that greed, with that aggression, then you can catch them off guard. And a handful of times I kill people before they ever get to fire a shot. So we're talking about what makes a good player, but are you trying to just get that high ADR? Are you trying to just get that high win rate? Or are you trying to be a well-rounded player? So I've started to realize that I'm good at communication. I'm good at picking spots to rotate to, smart rotations. I'm good at figuring out what to do in a late, like spastic rotation. Like the, the IGL stuff is coming to me more and more naturally. 
even if it wasn't already something I was doing since the Xbox days. But now I'm getting to a point where I'm like, all right, so I've gotten the hot drops down a little more. I'm starting to learn how to like play the mind games when we're up close and we just have like a few hardcover like wall type situations to deal with. I'm, I'm good at that kind of tricking people and deception and that kind of stuff. I'm good in a lot of like longer range team fights, but when we get to those spots, you know, you just got to figure out where your gaps are. So it's like, obviously, I still have a lot to work on overall, but now I'm realizing that my open field engagements need work. I would equate PUBG to weightlifting. If you only focus on arms and you skip leg day... You're going to look stacked up top, though. Right. Yeah, but you're going to be chicken leg. And- <laughs> yeah, and like the moment you wear shorts, bro, you're going to be the butt of a shit ton of jokes. But like you were saying, Kev, like you have this thing to work on, that thing to work on, that thing to work on. It's every single thing about this game has a level of mechanical depth that requires hours of mastery. Looting, the most basic mechanic in the game, has a lot of nuance and depth to it. And there's so many different ways that you can manipulate the game or kind of like work with the systems within it to make it work in your favor and loot faster and more efficiently. And most people, like, a goddamn, I hate watching people play Xbox PUBG or PlayStation PUBG because they stare at the ground and they pick up loot everything. And it's like, go into your goddamn inventory and pick it up. What are you doing? I know that you don't have a mouse and keyboard, but it's still faster. It's pretty cumbersome. I mean, it is it is faster when you get used to it, but it's like start left, down, 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 like, you know, right. like trigger, down, trigger, like this, this, you know, and there's like delays. It's almost, it's not as much it. delay as F looting, but it's still button pressing. It's way slower than a mouse pull. There's a reason for that, like, that you'll see that more. I mean, I see this on PC all the time, is people with their head halfway down looking at someone's where their feet would be if they were 10 feet in front of them. Mm-hmm. And because they're looking at loot, when they have the option to, you know, sprint and do that at the same time, and they just don't care. They just keep doing it. And then they wonder why they hit someone's feet, you know, where they miss their first three shots, then they hit three leg shots, and they get killed, and they're like, how? It's like... Because that guy was running with his head looking straight up. Secretly, when I watch PUBG report videos and I get killed by a guy, I was like, damn it, he's an F-looter. I got killed by an F-looter. <laughs> guy doesn't even tab loot and he got shit on. God bless it. See, and that, but that's right there. That's why I brought this up. That's why I brought this up. Because people that play FPS games, they're stats driven. Right. Everyone is stats driven. Oh, yeah. What's my ADR, bro? What's my KDA? I've always been strat driven. Like, strategy wins games, in my opinion. All right, so I'll go back to, like, when I first got back into the games again was Call of Duty, and I was playing a ton of Domination. I was that asshole laying on B the whole time, just taking that back while my friends did all the all the work. Like, I've always been the support player and the strategy guy, so there's always right. a different way to look at a game. And I agree with that completely. I just think that there's a lot of people that are asking, like, how do I get better at the game? Because there's a feeling of not being good at the game. And there's these third-party stats, and a lot of people talk about stats. Like, if you watch people stream for a while, you're going to see, like, I wonder what that guy's ADR is, right? It's a really common thing and when we say it we kind of have an idea of where you're at whether you focus on it or not most people know that stat or their kd or something of that nature so we're at like a mature point in the game right yeah where people have generally played long enough that they know most of the strategies to win there probably is still things they're overlooking or not thinking about which is why we spend our time 
diving into that you know bs and why so many other people are on reddit all the time or spend so much time watching people who are vastly better at them is because there's all these nuanced things are you bad at the end game strategy or are you bad at the fighting mechanically i think i have an answer to end the entire debate if we need to know what makes a good player right then it really it's going to have to come down to PUBG Corp and the way that they decide how their survival ranking works if they do implement MMR and matchmaking properly the way i think they need to do it is they need to do it the same way they do the LPL or i'm sorry the EP or the PEL and the NPL wins net you more points but kills also net you points but placement also nets you points but they're weighted disproportionately based on their importance right a win is ultimately more important and is worth way more points because you won the game but kills also still matter like even if you came in 10th place but you got a bunch of kills like well you can still sit pretty well in the standings because you got a bunch of kill points same with placement yeah but what about the person that gets 10 kills in the beginning of the game and then just survives till the end like how how are you going to measure that in the game like this i think if you just use the same points like he gets so many points per kill and then so many points per placement yeah, how's, how's that any different? So here's my, like, do you believe it's easier to get kills in the beginning of the game in a hot drop or in the top 10? Mm, top 10. That would be really interesting, actually, right? Because what if what if the amount of players left was like like slight percentage points of a different, like slight, you know, decimal point difference or something like, you know, a kill in the the first top 100 is maybe only 0.2, but a kill in the top 20 is you know a point nine or a full point or something right because let me put it this way if you get 10 kills in the beginning of the game versus the end of the game do you think the relative skill level of the people you kill in the 90 to 100 is higher or lower than the people you kill in the 1 to 10 i think it's completely random because the game i think so as well yeah random i get killed in hot drops all the time just because i can't find a gun and it's not because the other player was better than me, but it was because I was under-equipped for the fight. So you think the person that kills you in the hot drop when you didn't have a gun should get the same amount or similar points to the person who kills you in the second position for the final kill? Negative. What I think is you should be scored. You you get checkboxes, right? So let's put three categories up on the board. One is uh, winning the game, right? And that's worth X amount of points. One is placement. And every placement has its own points that are awarded per your placement winning is first place that's so placement so why would that be like us when you win the game you get like bonus points and quotes you know what i'm saying like you get an extra gold star for that one you get the same grade but you also get like an a plus you know you get some extra shit on top of it so yeah you have winning the game then you have overall placement and then you have kills and i think kills should be weighted like, there should be a point where there's, a uh, like, a diminishing return. Kills should be disproportionate in the early game, but then as you go through, right, like, somewhere between 50, 40, 30, placement becomes weighted higher than kills. That's not to say that if you had eight kills and you were killed by a guy with two kills and he got 10 places higher than you, that he's going to have more points. It's not true. That just means like his placement was higher, but you might have accumulated more points because you got more kills. Does that make sense? Nope. No. All right. I mean, I'm not, sorry. I see where you're going, but I think it'd be, I think what really would make sense to do like a judgment on, and I don't know how you weight the three together, would be placement including first, but top 10 is like, top 10 is a pretty good measure of, of how seriously you take your game, I think. Sure. 
not how good you are as a player, but just how seriously do you take the game? How often are you getting into top 10 or top 20, whatever you can easily track? Kills should definitely be part of it, but then I think there should just be an added thing for damage. I think the amount of damage that you're doing is very indicative of what's going on. I've had so many games with Heathy, especially recently, where he will pepper both players and then I'll tap each of them once and be like, got him. You know, it is not indicative of me doing the work or spotting them or doing anything. It is just me being a slimy friend. Not on purpose, but we're just trying to get the guy. Sure. (laughs) You're a real piece of shit. Dude, it's it's like a weird trend with Heathy. I... I always finish the guys that he just destroyed. Like Winchester them left, right, left, right, one, two, and then got no kill. Naturally, when we have this conversation, we start looking at ourselves and we start talking about ranking. And it's and the whole thing started with the question of how do you know if you're getting good at PUBG or how do you know if you're good? And so I want to flip this just to finalize it and say... For someone who's newer or who is making a transition from another game that's similar and is relatively new to PUBG, we all know the mechanics in this game are where the mastery and the seconds are game, but like, oh, let's go through each one of you. Griff, if you were telling someone what to focus on to get better at the game, what what stat are you telling them to look at? Uh, I'm telling them how to survive each phase. What stat? That's not a stat you can go look up. Well, what, what's your what's the marching orders though? Like, I think that's what Griff's getting into. Is like, okay. what would he? What, what advice? Yeah. If he had like one specific thing for you know he thought like a new player should work on, what would it be? One, one to two. For me, a brand new player, I'm not going to tell them to hot drop. That's absolutely stupid. You need to learn the basics and you need to learn the mechanics and you need to be able to play the game competently before you can even begin to do it at that heightened level. Of like, oh shit, I have to land, I have to get loot, I have to get, you know, in position, I have to not die and kill other players. So like for me, it would be, all right, get to a place where you can comfortably get what you need and then, you know, make it to the second and third phase. And if you get there, try to do it with at least two kills. And then at that point, just start pushing yourself a little bit further, a little bit further. And once you feel like, I feel pretty good in these engagements, that's when you start taking those mild to hot drops. And then once you can walk out of those, there's nothing more satisfying than walking out of like Pachinki or boot camp or school or Hacienda. You feel like a boss because whether you got even one kill to be the last guy alive in that place to get all the loot and you'd be like, all right, now I can go on to the next thing. Like that's kind of a big deal. And that's the reason people land in those places because, you know, it, there's it's so high risk, high reward and it feels really great. But you have yeah, to the build to that. You have to earn that. That's not something you can just jump in and do. Heath, what do you think? In that same vein, actually, very similar uh, advice, but would be to jump out of the plane at the end of the line, like where, when the plane ends. If you're new, you're not punch the eight guys that are AFK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not just that. There's, there's a special breed of people that, that jump out there. My ADR is through the roof. No, the guys you want to go after are the losers that actually go there to kill the afks because they're the hopeless pricks <laughs> so you can land get a gun you go and stand there with the other afks 300 iq strats right here yeah and you just wait for them to come they'll come someone always comes someone always takes note of where the afks went down and they'll come flying in on a motorbike you just got to be yeah you know, stand next to a tree or something so you don't get run over and then you just pull your gun out and you blow their head off and it feels amazing you're preying on the guys that are preying on the weak does that make you a superhero I don't know, but it's a good place to improve your skills. 
And they bring you loot too because they brought it in. You know, they went and collected first and brought it to you. So it saves you a whole lot of time and effort. And I do this between games. If I'm having a heap of bad games in a row, I'll just drop into the line and kill some losers. Uh, if you're a newish player, don't land anywhere on the map that has a name. I'd so disagree with that, but <laughs> we'll good get point. to it. If, I'm saying if you're new and you're like, dude, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. If it has a name, don't land there. Kev. All right, so I'm going to assume that the people who are really like digging into this and listening and like trying to find this specific piece of advice aren't so new that they're going to be sitting here like, how do I even loot? What is the purpose of this game? What does PUBG stand for? <laughs> so my my idea is that like you know they've played they spent some time maybe playing mobile and now they've got an Xbox so they played for on Xbox for a while and now they're switching to PC and they're trying to figure out like what makes this game different on PC or what makes this game different on Xbox compared to the phone that is making it so much harder for me to catch up to everyone else. So I would give them like two pieces of advice. And that is to watch two different kinds of streamers. The best streamers who are going to teach you the tiniest little angles and things you can jump on to get an angle and like random ways around the map that are going to help you and, and the way they rotate. And then watch people who are just pretty consistently pretty good. And you'll watch the way that you should really be looking to play as someone who doesn't have that high-end aim, precision, and adaptability to super high-stress situations or those hot drop situations where there's 10 people around. Watch both levels of the player so you see how you want to eventually try and become like that fragger and then how most people are going to do it too. So be the first is really just observe, pay attention. Who do you watch? When I was really learning the game myself, I was watching, I was still on Xbox, so I was watching players like Chaco Taco and Doc and Visions and Halifax you know, and this is six months ago before I know some of the other players I've been starting to watch. Like, you know, I really learned a lot recently watching Hambino and watching K-Mind and watching any of the Cloud9 or Liquid players. Obviously, they're just insane. But I watched those guys and then was like, well, I don't see anyone playing like that on, on console. So I switched over and watched a ton of C-Dome and Mike Stan who were playing damn near close to PC level with their controller. And I was like, how is this even possible? So I was learning from people like that on on console, who I still recommend when they do play console. They switched over to PC with me. But, you know, they're playing both. But I said, you know, watch some of those higher level people and then just look around through Twitch to find people. Or just, you know, come into the winner winner group, find, you know, random streamers who are going to be, some of them are going to be really good, some of them are still learning themselves. Like, we're all at different places. But you'll find cool people you can ask them questions. And watch, you know, watch them too. But my other piece of advice, my real, like, how do you get better, is you're probably going to have to work on the mechanics the most because you are watching all these other streams. You're, you love PUBG and the idea of the game, you know, like, how do I keep up and get, you know, to that level? I think ADR is probably the thing to look for. And you want the medium drops where you have at most four variables, you know, four other players. Going to Paradise alone when you're still learning is going to be really rough unless you can think about it in a way of your four variables are just the four in the main house. Like then you, If you can boil it down like that, you might be able to manage it, but a lot of players are going to freak out knowing that there's a total of 10 in that compound. So I think the medium drops, like I like going Gaka in solo just to get a few cheeky house fights in and then push on. I think that'd be like a good place on Arangal, for example. But yeah, ADR, trying to get that ADR up a little bit. If you can see that climb, little by little, especially in like 
duos of squads where everyone's doing damage, poke damage and stuff, if you can see that number start to climb, even if it's just a few weeks of, you know, your past, your past 20 games where you're looking at it, if you see that start to climb, you know, I recently got it to like 150 and I was like, guys, I'm doing better. Like, it's better than the 110 I was stuck at for a while or something. Like, it felt good to be focusing on something. I think ADR is probably the one to let you know if you're pushing forward. Sorry, I'm, I'm nodding. ADR, especially in solo, is so derivative of what you're doing with yourself. And even to play solo is so scary. Like, you have one good game. I don't want to play another game after I have a good game. I'm like, I did well. I just, I don't want to wreck my stats that I just made. And I've got to break out of that mindset after a good game. Otherwise, I just, yeah, I just won't go back and play solo for a while just to keep it nice and high. Yeah, and I actually agree with the ADR thing, and you kind of wrapped up that point pretty well, but I guess I would summarize it to say if somebody asked me how to know if they're good at PUBG or how to know if they're getting better at PUBG or what to focus on to get better at at PUBG, in general, if I had 10 seconds to tell them, I would say ADR. And my, my reasoning behind that is if you're doing damage and it's not just easy damage like killing AFK guys, uh, you. <laughs> what? 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 Just, What's there's nothing What's wrong with it. If you enjoy killing <laughs> AFK guys, it's great. <laughs> um, but ADR suggests that you're doing damage, right? And if you're doing damage, that means you're putting yourself in a position to do so. And if your ADR is rising over time, that suggests to me that you're probably lasting longer in the game. Or you're putting yourself in better positions to kill people, which ultimately will lead to winning more games. In my opinion, I think it's the best stat to look at. But as we discussed in the very beginning of this, don't get so focused on ADR that you lose sight of the other stats and all of the other things to get better at. Because they all play into each other. You could focus on surviving longer, getting your average round time or average position up or there's so many things to focus on to get better but i think adr the reason it gets so much press from all of the different first person shooters is that it's it's one of the best stats to look at if you just have to pick one i'll give you something intangible and that would be yeah please the ability to control full auto recoil i think that's probably one of the most challenging things you'll learn as a player in pubg and the moment that you can control 10 to 20 bullets in a full spray, I'd, I'd say you're getting pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is all boils down to the challenge that I think PUBG Corp has in getting a ranked mode to us because we could argue it for days on what matters more than the others and figuring out what a kill's worth versus what's a win's worth. But if you're looking to get better at the game, I think we all agree that ADR is a good place to start. But then you heard a couple of strategies for getting better focus on the phases focus on killing afk guys or the guy that kills the afk guys <laughs> no 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 kill the guys yeah uh, <laughs> actually one strat i didn't mention is if if you're new to this and you're shooting people in the face you're doing it wrong you want to shoot them in the back of the head what i mean is positioning you don't have the skills yet to take someone on in a one-on-one -on -one fight you need to move if someone shoots at you just move go somewhere else until you can shoot them in the side or the back of the head, and then they die. Their level three gear means nothing if you've got a full spray, point blank range, and you're standing right behind them. All right, so this whole conversation on what makes a good player is great. We could probably talk about it for literal days here. About two hours ago, we got some huge news because, you know, the winner-winner luck here is that anytime some great news happens, we find out about it right as we press record. 
Every time. Mm. Every time. So it happened again. <laughs> we got some huge news here. Huge. Huge. PUBG is giving us an Erangel remaster, people. I didn't hear that. Whoop. Say that louder. Erangel remaster. That includes faster blue zone, prettier Erangel, more textures. It's going to be more in line with what we're used to now. And mantling. <coughs> there to say it one more time. Mantling. Uh, hang on, hang on. Midair. What's mantling? Grabbing onto that ledge you were about to skin with your knees, and then you hit your chin on and you chip your tooth. In game, of course, not in real life. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you? Is this an expression you use in in real life? Mantling of. Yeah, yeah. You 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 grab onto the ledge and you mantle it. So you grab on if you're jumping towards the edge of a house or a railing, you grab it and you mantle over it. Is that what they called it? <laughs> I thought it was called ledge grab. Is it called ledge grab? Oh, okay. Is this just one heart's own language? Yeah. That's a lazy name. Ledge grab is lazy. Lazy. It's a mantle. You're mantling. Every other first person or third person shooter where that is a mechanic, it's called mantling. You mantle over something and then, yeah, there's... That's like the definition for mantle is like ledge grab. <laughs> I'm, I'm not against language. I just hadn't heard it before. Language is great. Being concise. Yeah. <laughs> I chopped a um, massive spider in half with a chainsaw yesterday, actually. Wait, what? Yeah, like an enormous spider. I chopped it in half with a chainsaw. So I was cutting this tree what? and it was hollow. And as I cut through the hollow, something jumped out at me, but it was only half of an enormous spider, like a spider the size of my hand, oh ran my at God. me and then just kind of <laughs> skittled to death at my feet. And I actually, yeah. How big was it, you said? Like the size of my hand. So take your hand and then double it and you've got my hand. Oh, shit. Well, is that just the body, not the <laughs> legs? That was that half of it, or the size of the whole thing? No, the whole thing. No, would hold have on, been was this a horizontal or vertical oh. cut? <laughs> I cut it through its face and out its rectum, so four, oh. four legs were still in the tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the, so would that itself have been like the size of a fist plus legs going out of it, or like with the legs? It's, it's with the legs, the size it would have been slightly like bigger than my hand. Yeah. So it, it was it was a big. That's spot, still yeah. massive. Yeah. Could it have killed a small chicken? I think it killed the tree that I cut down. Yeah, and you did that with a chainsaw. Was it like 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 a uh, like a John Woo move where you just like <laughs> and you just like it's it's like in PUBG when somebody's upstairs in the house and you can't tell where they are because the vertical sound doesn't work that great. Like I was chainsawing into its house and it was like, why is my whole house rumbling? Next minute, but now yeah, oh. if you don't know where they're at, mm. you can mantle onto the roof and figure <laughs> it out. Can we just talk about how Heath just home wrecked a spider? Like, how pissed would you be? You're just like chilling, and all of a sudden, there's a fucking chainsaw comes through your wall and cuts you in half. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. I tried to bring us back, but Griff won't allow it. <laughs> the good thing about Foster's is when you crack one open, there won't be a spider in there. Or maybe there will be. We don't know. <laughs> Crikey, they're angry. Shut the fuck up. Can we talk about PUBG? <laughs> Okay, so Kev, tell me about mantling. So basically the way I saw this in the video, the way it looked like, is that the ledges that you would normally, like when you're trying to make that perfect jump and get on that house and that thatch roof in Sandhawk, or you're trying to jump on the roofs of Pachinki and you just miss and you fall, this is, it looks like we're just going to have, is it a key or is it going to be automatic? What do we think on this? I, it, we don't know yet, but it appears that we're going to be able to just grab and get up on the roof 
So if it was automatic, it would be problematic, right? It can't be just something that happens if you get near a wall because you'll just end up vaulting over everything. It'll be terrible. I think what it'll end up being is the same vault key that you use if you're on PC. I think it'd just be if you were in midair and you press that button, then it, you know, and if you press your vault button, then you do that action. Like that'll be, it'll be in air plus that, like to the point where there's certain things that only happen when you're, you know, there's certain keys that only get used when you're doing a backflip. And, you know, if, if it's for me, I have it at right click, but like, Right click isn't is me aiming normally, but when I'm driving, it's different. It's like when this set of circumstances happens and you're in air, you press your vault key, and I would assume that would be it, because they'll have to make it work for console too. So uh, they have a limited set of things they can do. So it would have to be something simple. I know. I hope they make it kind of difficult so you can stuff it up. So you jump at the wall and you just pancake against the face of the wall and slide down if you don't, you know, do it at the right timing. No, I think they're trying to avoid that. That's what's been <laughs> happening forever. And they're like, you know, people were probably pretty pissed. Mm. Uh, I think I've said it a, a million times. Tonight was my most graphic version of, you know, chipping teeth and all that stuff. I, I've said more or less that for a while now, is that you just constantly are like, I think I can make it. You end up being like the failed Thomas the Tank. You're like, I think I can, I think I can. And then you have a chipped tooth. So this is going to fix that, I, I hope. I think it's going to make the more dense city fights even more unpredictable i like it you know i've played tons of row and they have that grapple mechanic and it made things instantly nuts compared to what it used to have been where only a glider can come down on you so we think in like a, a roof meta I've, I've got concerns about it from this like i love paradise right and now paradise you can if you if you're good in paradise or you've practiced there you can get up on all of the weird angles and ledges and it's it's going to change it dramatically, right? Because you're going to be able to go a bunch of different ways to get onto roofs and ledges, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But I'm wondering if there's areas that it's going to make really challenging or people aren't going to want to go there because now there's so many new angles that you have to worry about or that are just, you know, kind of cheeky peak angles. I'm just, this is super interesting. I think it's a great addition, but it makes me wonder about those quote unquote favorite areas if it's going to make some of them really brutal. I think it's going to have that same thing that the vault does now. Like, how many people have you killed vaulting? Because it's like time comes to a grinding halt while you're vaulting. You're going to catch people in paradise trying to slide up onto the roof and you're just going to smoke them. Well, at what point do they add a sliding mechanic? That's what worries me. There, I don't think I don't think there is a like you can't actually do that very easily in real life. Think about actually trying to slide like baseball in anything other than sand, and even in sand, how many times did you mess that up? And you had no gun in your hand. I disagree. I want you to run around. I want you to go to an elementary school and watch the kids at recess. Now, there's going to be some questions asked by some of the other adults, but what I need you to pay attention to is how little regard small children have for their bodies and how they will slide fling and throw themselves at the ground and not give a shit you give me a six-year-old in jeans they will fucking slide on any surface you give them on you lost me at you go to schools and watch how kids treat their bodies yeah uh, they're not real people not yet they're not yeah but uh people in video games are real people you know <laughs> we're still talking about people who you know or, or, or a character that's supposed to be carrying an extra rifle on their back 
and a giant backpack that, you know, uh, I remember being in school and smacking kids in the back of their overly loaded backpack where they brought their entire desk. <laughs> no, it had like five different textbooks and you smack them on the back and their little tiny bodies just can't handle it and they fall backwards. I don't think people are going to be sliding in PUBG anytime soon. And a frying pan, cast iron frying pan as well. Yeah, they're not, that would be really difficult to run with. That's, I w- you know what? Easier than the machete. <laughs> I think one of the key points in the dev letter was that they made the intentional point to say that they're trying to keep this as a realistic survival game where you have to make dynamic choices. Absolutely. Sliding, I, I, I don't see that being an addition. I don't know that I would support it. I'd take a dive, though. May, I mean, maybe, right? There's, there's, They could go that route. It does level the playing for because vaulting was an answer towards the people who knew how to crouch, jump, and get through windows, right? So vaulting came in and it let everybody go through windows. So it added a whole different gameplay aspect for the people that didn't quite know how to crouch, jump through windows or they couldn't do it every time. This is really an answer to people who know how to get to vertical positions that most other people can't get to. You know, so sliding and diving isn't really anything different than hitting the prone button really fast. So I I just don't see that coming in, but it's possible. It makes me think of that, like, there's two there's two plays. There's K-Mine and there's Ibiza, and they both hit very similar plays off the same roof in Erangel, and these are two of the nastiest kills I've seen in a while. But it both came from them, one, knowing how to even get on one of those roofs, and then two knowing that they can jump, land, and then crouch through the window across the way to get in and then shoot the guy that was in the building below them when they were on that original building. That's a lot of things to know how to do. And what I'm imagining now is with the mantle, so long as you're like initiating the button press and in, you know hitting the ledge area above your knees, it lets you pull yourself in. Like you would try to do if you were weird enough and in a position to have to try and do that in real life right like you wouldn't just let yourself fall i would guess there'd be a button prompt for it honestly like the way that you would do to get into a vehicle or to loot an item but then that also would bring up a discussion like how do you differentiate mantling versus vaulting because you can vault slash climb over a lot of different things but how do you then determine how you would mantle, yeah. Mantling is just in-air vaulting. It's just catch. It's just adding the catching yourself part of it. Breaking you know? brains. That's fair. That's really fair. We haven't seen enough, but I'm like I'm positive it's going to be the same button. It has to be. It has to be because of the simplification you had to do to put, push it to console. Right. Five months from now. Sorry, guys, True. but that's how long it takes. Well, we're we're speculating here, so we don't know what it's going to look like. I think the cool part is they're adding it and they're looking at gameplay things to level the playing field but also add new strategies into the game, and that's what this one does. So that's really cool. Quick big ups to PUBG. Um, I've been playing this game for over a year and a half. Mantling never occurred to me. Like, legitimately, that wasn't even something I was like, man, I wish this was a thing they could they could do. I just accepted it as a mechanic in the game that was a limitation of the character. So it it makes me think, like, oh shit, these developers actually have more in mind than we even realize is something we want or is possible in the game, and that gives me a lot of hope. Well, I will say, I think they might have paid a little bit of attention, you know, going back to it, I go back to this a bunch, but I think they're such similar games. Going back to Road, they did add this 
like shortly at like a month or two after adding the grappling hook because people were with the grappling hook able to reach new places and, and move around so quickly it made other people feel that they couldn't even go into a city past you know any at any point because those grapplers were going to take the advantage of them so they added they added that mechanic and i mean you can't you can't look past the fact that both are 10 cent companies i'm sure they're not like hostile towards each other at the very least that put it in there and it really did make city fighting more viable for bike rider because they could jump from house to house and just get to that ledge and pull themselves in and it made it that much different i don't play that game anymore really but it it really helped and you, you can't think they didn't look at that and think about it it's worth pointing out too that blackout and apex legends are very much highly touted for their character movement and the fluidity of it and while PUBG is a very different game on purpose by design uh i think it's still worth looking at it going okay what can we glean from those other games that would potentially benefit our players in a positive way and how would we implement that so yeah, like I said, I just think this is really cool and exciting. And it, like I said, it gives me a lot of hope for a lot of the things I think they might be planning in the future. Well, and I, I'm going to echo that because what what you just said and then what Kev kind of added to is something that we hit on a few episodes ago, which was there's quite a few different camps that PUBG has to pay attention to. You've got the competitive players, you've got the casual players, you've got the stream community, and you've got the viewer community. And they all want very different things. But what this is indicative of to me, and there's some more stuff in this dev letter that that speaks to that, is that they're listening to all of those communities and they seem to be addressing the points and wanting to talk about those points. But more importantly, they're also innovating and looking out what's going on in the market and saying, well, what can we do in our quote-unquote realistic survival combat? And that's what's really cool about it. I agree. But there's also other things in this dev letter that I think are really cool regarding what PUBG is trying to do with the community. Uh, did you guys see what they're doing with the test server regarding the updates and the new Erringo? I didn't catch that. They're exactly. trying to make them useful. They're trying really hard to be like, okay, so we realize that people aren't using the test server enough, right? How do we change that? Because I would go in and it's, you know, the only option is to play asia third person or something it's like that's oh, not me testing it I'm, I'm a first person player you know what i mean i'm gonna play it how i want to play it so no one uses it at all i don't even know if asia really used it much more than a day every time no i couldn't get in from where i am it puts me into asia as well yeah i, I stopped downloading it because i just couldn't get into a game right but now what they're doing what they said in this letter is they're actually giving the PUBG partners access to the custom servers on the test realm so that they can create custom games and presumably with their communities or the community as a whole and explore this thing together. So they're giving the streamers, the viewers, and then really if you're a competitive or casual player, you can jump into these things, but they're giving it to the community to test and they're giving it to the PUBG partners, which I think is just really cool. I mean, again, there's all these different communities and they're, they're listening and then they're giving some stuff to each community, which I think is super challenging. Like I just balancing that's crazy, but this is something that I would not have expected. Uh, when I saw that they were giving access to the PUBG partners, I think that's a really cool way to do this, Hell to get yeah. people in the test realm and to actually do it. You got to hope that, that that brings a lot of people back to the game who are partners and that this really gets used. 
because I'm seeing some partners in there that I haven't seen play the game in a while. No offense to them. They just they you know they're doing their thing. They're playing other games. Well, and that's why I think this is smart from a from an overall standpoint. Maybe this engages a few people that haven't been active in the game in a while that are bigger partners or maybe bigger streamers and gets them back and maybe gets their community viewing it again. So I, I just think it's an all around win 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 situation. There's there's nothing bad that can come from having uh, partners checking this out with their communities and then having those viewers on it and maybe we get a few extra people checking it out and and interested in the game again so i i just think that's a good thing i think it's cool i just i just wonder if the partner program might need to be re you know reevaluated to the point where it's i'm not you know i would never fault anyone for for doing what's best for their channel and moving on to something else that's more interesting for them or just their community wants to see but there's people in there who who i don't see who I think should be in there, like Hambino, should probably be, you know, given given the chance to get in here because of the insane amount of people that that see him play and then see him play in Twitch Rivals and see him streaming every day, and then also the people who don't play or, or might not even play at all, right? You you might want to think this might be the incentive for people to want to get a PUBG partner and keep it, right? There might be a way to push out, flush out. There's not. It shouldn't be like a bad thing to not be a partner anymore. It just means you're not playing the game regularly. So, you, you trying to get that partnership, or me? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I just think that there's people who should be partner, and then you know, it wouldn't. It this seems like a good way to incentivize the partner status, and that might need yeah. to be incentivized more, and you know, reopened for more people who need it now. I think it's a good mix of people that are currently playing and people that haven't been in, and I think the company has a pretty good incentive to do it to both. So, like, we'll see. It'll be super interesting to see how this is received. In my mind, it's a positive thing, but I I just don't know. I just want to make sure. I really do hope that people are on the custom matches, and, you know, I think it'd be smart for us to, like, you know, make sure we tell as many people as we can, like, hey, get in these guys' games, and this person's running at this time, or, you know, hopefully everybody's sharing when uh, other people are using this test server, I have always been disappointed with how little test server gets used. So this is this is positive to see them trying something different. Yeah, I agree. So we, we kind of said that there's an update to Erangel, but we didn't really talk about the main thing. What do, what do you guys think about the visual updates from the little sneak peek that we got from this? Do you guys think it looks good? Are you worried about it? What do you think? It looks more saturated. Like, at a glance, that was the first thing I noticed, is that it seems a little bit more saturated in the colors, and obviously they've added a lot more foliage. I don't I get this weird feeling that, like, okay, so they've done this odd mix between it looks stylized, but also up in this weird way, if that makes any sense, right? So, like, kind of stylized in the way that, like, Ring of Elysium or uh, Fortnite has its own style. I realize PUBG's had its own style for a while, but like... But it was a borrowed style from a long, you know, a different game. Yeah, it was Arma. It was the Arma. It was the realistic style, you know, which isn't a bad thing by any means. It was like 2009 realistic. Yeah. You know, it was it was an older realistic. This gives me vibes, honestly, of CSGO. What? What? You're on your own there, sweetheart. I'm not kidding. Did you see the grass? Yeah. CSGO years in me, so... Well, I'm just saying, like, 
based on the color palette and the saturation of it. That's what it makes me think of. Well, and I'll put I'll say this: if this game starts running as smooth as Counter Strike Global Offensive does, I don't care what they do to it. Let's go. Exactly, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like when you look at these screenshots, the side by side comparisons, and then the new stuff, I, there's obviously a next genness to it. But it doesn't share that same bleak photorealism sort of like like you said, 2009-ish sort of, uh, you know, open world realistic game that that PUBG's kind of always had. There, there's, there's just there's a new level to it. I mean, my concern is that it does a Vikendi and just tanks the frames a little bit. Like Vikendi's beautiful, but it, it struggles on my machine. A big worry for me as well. I think it looks great. I do too. I'm just, I'm being cautiously optimistic. Speaking of which, you were talking before about, uh, you mentioned Apex and uh, Blackout. And we had episodes where we talked about, like the words like PUBG killer was thrown around. And this, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a few months on now. And I just want to give a little easy clap to PUBG Corp for just playing the long game. They didn't do anything dramatic. Like we, we made some suggestions and we had some predictions. And they've... They just powered on through and made this game better, and that's it's really what we asked. Just make it better, and they have, and they, I reckon they brought a lot of people back. I think a lot of credit needs to go to the pro scene, which I think is growing. In my opinion, I think it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. But any game that ever implements a professional scene always sees some sort of sustained growth because they realize there's a life to their game outside of. You know, it just launching and being the hot flavor of the moment. So I'm not going to lie. Like, we had it kind of teased a little while ago that there would be some changes coming. And and obviously, there were some, like, new structures that people, like, really, really rebelled about. And, like, you, you know, that would fundamentally change the game. But what I see for a lot of things is, like, texture changes and, and you know, added foliage or an added, almost like a temperature change. Like, it feels like I'm looking at mansion now it just looks like it, it's a different month of the year almost right there's just more overgrowth it's like maybe like two years maybe it is two years since someone's ever been at the mansion and now it has all this like vines and growth on top of it i was kind of hoping that mansion would feel bigger and more of a reason to go to it i was talking to trigger earlier and i was showing him how there's there's like what six or seven structures that compromise all of mansion and then you gotta run somewhere else you got to run of those yellows if you want to find a consistent car spawn. Not even always there. I mean, what draws you to Mansion where you, you know, if you're going that way, why, don't you, why wouldn't you just go to the spot south of Kameshki and loot the nine, ten houses there? It's not named and no, you know, you're going to find one other person in solos. Why not just go there? Oh, Mansion's the biggest debate in all of Erangel. So, yeah, so I just, what I'm saying is it looks like they added a whole lot more foliage and texture and and did some updates to probably how it looks inside but i don't see anything to suggest that there's more of a reason to go there so i'm saying is like would you guys be pissed if at some point places that were underused like farm or mansion were like fundamentally changed or like if that woodworking section became a little more desirable or something like would it be bad to have more points of interest or does that spread people out too much I think from my standpoint, I don't really care about it because I'm used to it at this point. And Griff kind of alluded to it that I think if they do too much too quick to this map in particular, they could kill the pro scene or cause some unnecessary effects there. 
So I think there's got to be a mindset of, well, we don't want to change it too quick, but we do want to have the ability to make changes. This none of Nothing that they do is going to affect me as somebody who's kind of a hardcore casual, right? I'm going to probably going to keep playing, right? But if they if they all of a sudden changed how the whole map flowed or they took farm and just turned it into this crazy complex, well that that's a big change for the pro scene for guys that spend months and weeks practicing a map. So it doesn't surprise me that there's not massive changes to the play style or how the areas work, which there will be some once the uh, mantling hits. Will mantling hit the pro scene? Is that something they can turn on and off? I don't know. It's just super interesting questions as a result of this. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but pros can play on any version of the game that they, they, they deem fit, right? Like, they could, I think they have, like, safeguards in place for pros where, one, it's a completely different server and, and different game file to the point where... They can run them. They can run a tournament while we're all sitting out of the game, locked out during a maintenance night. But where do they practice? Pretty sure they can release a new update like this and completely change the map, and then let the competitive scene finish their season on the old patch. Like they can do that. They could probably even update a specific pro patch just for them, where it's the old map with newer you know, SR damage or something. Yeah, but they, I, I just can't imagine them wanting to do that at this point, to spend this much time updating the map and then say, oh yeah, but the pros are still playing on the old one because that's where a lot of people get interested in the game, right? You see a big exactly. streamer or a big pro playing. That, I guess that's just my opinion, is that they're not going to change a whole lot because they don't want it to be radical yet. And we had those pictures leaked of all the new compounds on Aaron Gell and that, all, I mean, people hate Reddit it. almost exploded. Yeah. yeah I, so... I guess what I'm what my point is is that obviously we don't want Erangel to feel like the candy where there's a decent compound every two hundred or three hundred meters. That is like not working, and I I don't know how that would ever work for a competitive landscape. That would just be so hectic. There would always be a team everywhere you went, just like you know hiding in something, and you just have such a hard time. Like I don't see how the candy translates to. The overall competitive goal, right? Are we ever going to get past Erangel and Miramar? But at the same time, you would think that they could change an entire point of interest without adding, like, littering the map with more compounds. I don't want more unnamed compounds, but I think a place like Mansion. I, I just remember being like scared of Mansion because it sounded like it would be a dope spot to land and get loot. And then you realize the loot's not that great. The fights aren't that great. Like. People generally just don't care about Mansion because you're not leaving as rich as the name suggests, right? So I would have thought that like that would have that would have maybe gotten some more love. Like maybe that typical two story that's I guess supposed to be the mansion, like that's the fanciest looking building. It should be called Duplex. Doesn't even feel fancy and like the fights in there are not interesting. It's a little rinky dink two story with like zero loot. You wanna hit the five story you know, a help station or whatever that's next to it. Like the nothing in there screams desirable. It's just an interesting place to land every once in a while to like know the area. Did something happen on Xbox in Mansion? <laughs> it's just you've been talking about Mansion for hours. It was just it was just the one that I always thought was gonna get like the bigger update. Yeah, and it's just interesting. I mean, that's why this is so cool. That's why I'm, I'm poking fun, but I love this because when we hear Aaron Gell remaster and we got a four-minute and some-second video on 
what their like plan is going forward. And then we got like a 26 second video on the remaster and it triggers all of these emotions for me, for you, like you had an area that you were like, yes, I want to see, I hope this happens or man, I don't know if it happened the way I wanted. And to me, that just says like, I don't know, it's just a cool engagement thing. And I'm excited to see the full rollout, I guess is where I'm coming from. I think it's just that point, points of interest didn't always feel like they were super, they made much sense. Like, and, and I'll go back to these three every day. It's Gaka, Mansion, Farm. Why do they have names that they're so underwhelming when you get there? Right. Well, is there anything else? Uh... Major blue zone changes. Oh, right, the blue zone. Are, are they major, though? Like, did you read them? Well, I'll go, th- I'll go through them. So, blue zone timings are faster throughout the match. Blue zone delay is reduced in the earlier phase. Size of the save zone is reduced in the earlier phase. So we're going to start off with an immediately smaller circle. That's pretty interesting. And then we have blue zone speed is reduced in early and middle phase. Blue zone damage is decreased slightly in the later phase. And then blue zone delay is reduced in the last phase. I mean, that that changes pacing a lot. It does, but it didn't say blue zone is not going to pop on Pachinki six times in a row at the start of the game. You mean red zone? Red zone. Yeah, red <laughs> you zone. Think the blue zone is the circle. Oh my god. Yeah, these are circle changes, not red zone. I don't care what you know, if you set your shit to Tritantopia or whatever. Just just yeah, maybe me. your circle's blue. Mine my, my red zone's yellow. I, yeah. I said it to Mike earlier. I was like, Oh man, we're in a yellow zone and I was like, I mean a red zone. You know, but no no, this is the blue. The blue. The ever encroaching death. Sorry, Griff sending me like weird text messages and stuff. I'm not paying attention. My bad. No, it's cool. I I talked about an amphibious vehicle that went on the seafloor in like two episodes ago. So now you get to be the Well, the cool thing about that vehicle is it's coming, except it won't drive on the ocean floor (laughs) because that was never going to happen. But we do have a new crate drop vehicle, it seems like. The vehicle that we we said was like leaked and might be happening. Does it have a name? Seems like it's here. What is that thing? The BDR or something? BDRM, I don't know. Yeah, boat car. Boat car. Yeah. Can we oh, can we call it the mantle car because it came with the mantle drop? I wonder if you can shoot out the top part. Ooh. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see that they only showed like a small like fourth of it. They're really teasing that one, and they like barely said anything about it. It was moving though. It was really hopping along. I thought this thing was going to be slow, like a tank, but it was it was going fast. I'm trying to find the video of it. It'll be in the notes, people. We got five seconds of the new vehicle. So we got the blue zone. We got the Arangal remaster. We got the mantle. We got the video, or sorry, the amphibious vehicle, right? Uh, There's not too much crazier stuff than that. By the time this really gets out to everybody, the public test server will kind of be over. But it's cool for us to speculate on how that might go. I hope it goes well. I mean, that's it. But to say that's it, I mean, that's, that's stuff that's huge. Do you guys think... Here's a last great question. Do you guys think mantling will make it into this next patch? Like, do you think when we get on the PTS, we get to mantle? Or do you think that mantling is just a thing that comes in, like, the next one, and they're just, like, teasing it? Future. Yeah, I think it's going to be riddled with bugs. I think the vehicle's future as well. But I think it's, like, like next patch. Like, I think it's, like, we get this, we see it, how it works for a month. And then, I think, you know... I think mid July. I don't think they'd show us if it was like really far away. I think no, I think it's summer. Be... I think it's summer 2019, but I think it's like July and August. We get you know one each or something. Really interested for that. 
Well, I want to wrap this thing up, you guys, on just a continuation in our tactical discussion here and take what we got from Compound Killer in the ammo question. I really want to just ask you guys about your best tips and tricks for managing inventory. We we beat ammo to death, so I don't want to spend too much time on that. But what do you guys think are valuable tips for people that are uh, trying to learn to manage their inventory better? This this Admittedly, this is one of the things that I've actually spent a lot of time recently trying to get better at. So I'm actually super curious what you guys have to say about this. I keep learning new ones and keep getting mad at myself for like spending like multiple months <laughs> just not doing any of them. Like the one you talked about recently about alt right, you know, alt right click to drop half your ammo. I was manually doing that for way too long. I was control gra- control sliding and then picking how much. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't be that serious. I admit I've I still still actually do that slider as well. Well, actually, I use a number pad, but still, I'll right-click, is it? Just gives you half of a stack. And what, where's the other half go? Just straight on the ground? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just drops. What's the one to strip a weapon? Is that alt-right-click as well? If you actually, It's alt-right-click yeah. on a weapon yeah. too, yeah. So it's, okay. that's just overall, like, that's something you need to, like, commit to memory. Is alt-right-click in your menu is going to be super helpful. I think this, is even, this comes up way more with meds than it does with ammo. You always are splitting meds because someone's just going to have more luck. They're going to get the two kills and do the looting first and just quickly grab it and run. But then you're going to get over that next hill after you've left the compound. And you're like, oh, by the way, what is your meds looking like? At least I hope everyone listening here does that questioning. Like, how's my team? You're always splitting meds, always, and not knowing how to do that quickly, it's it's annoying. And I, now I wonder why people haven't yelled at me earlier. Like, why are you not all clicking this thing? That's huge. Yeah, I think that that's one of those things that I just recently decided. Okay, I'm gonna get good at this. And you can alt click a stack, and it brings up the slider with the slider on the halfway point. So that speeds it up as well. If you alt-right-click it, it automatically drops half of it on the ground. Or if it's an odd number, like you have three first aid kits and you alt-right-click it, it's going to drop a one. Wait, alt-left-click? Alt-left-click is the same as uh, control-drag? I think that's the default unless I've changed it. Hmm. I want. I I've just never tried it. Never. You know. I mean. I've probably been afraid of firing. You know, doing desk like a desk pop. So I just haven't tried it. Actually, that's a good point, though. That I may have changed it, but basically, there's commands for you can use a command to click on a stack, and it will bring up the slider already at the halfway point. Which is typically control and then drag it to the ground, like drag it left to the ground, and that will pull it. But there might be a faster way. No, there's a button command for it, too, because that's what I was using. Okay. Now you got me wondering. One big thing I'll advocate is right-clicking instead of dragging uh, when it comes to attachments. That's one of the... And looting bodies. That is one of the biggest things I see people do incorrectly and it takes way more time than it should. Like, you don't have to click and drag an attachment onto a gun if it's already in your inventory. Just right-click it, and it immediately attaches to your equipped weapon. That The key there is your equipped weapon, the one that you're holding, yeah. Yeah, and then right-clicking a, a, a dead body to immediately put that stuff in your inventory is so much faster than dragging every little thing. And the beauty, too, is like if you're going for um, meds or ammo or anything that has... Uh, uh, a large number or whatever when you right click it it will automatically take as much as you can carry 
Yeah, and I think everyone knows that that moment where you you know you can only carry eight more bullets, and it, it leaves those twenty two right at your feet. There's tons of there's tons of really cool ones. Uh, I'd be interested to see Heath. Do you have anything you set special, or anything that you just always use that you think is really helpful? Not really. Besides that space indicator that I just discovered, yeah, I'll set that picture to you guys. Explain that. Explain that. It's a good. I, that's a good tip. Well, firstly, did you know about it? Am, am I the only one that didn't know about it? I knew about that in the very beginning. That's something that I keyed into the very beginning. The fact that you didn't notice it is super intriguing to me. It's kind of like vertical sensitivity yeah. where like we kind of just assumed that people like messed with that, but then we got crazy amounts of feedback when we talked about that on the show. So bring it up. Talk sure. about it. So when you open your inventory screen next to where your backpack is, where it shows where your vest is, where your helmet is, there's a little bar on the side, a grayed out bar, and that bar fills up with white space and gray space to where the capacity you can carry and the capacity you're already carrying and it shows you a, a lighter grayed out area to where you still can exceed your carry weight or you can you can make more carry weight and i think i just missed it because of it there's a lot of gray like i said the word gray like four times it's just a series of gray little bars i just never noticed it there next to the backpack until someone pointed it out and now that i know it's there i use this all the time particularly when you see a, a loot drop and I can quickly just look at my inventory and see, oh yeah, I've got a quarter of my pack empty, no dramas. You know, I can I can run straight in there and snatch what I want. But quite often, you know, that's at, at capacity, completely full. And it's good to know that before you go, otherwise you spend too much time stuffing around in front of the crate drop. Yeah, and nothing's worse than trying to run up to a crate drop and then you drop, you know, you take all the attachments off your, you know, say you wanted to pick up the AUG, you know, you drop all the stuff off your, your scar and it drops to the ground, and you pick up the AUG, and you think it's in there, and you run away, only to realize that you have nothing. Like, none of those, you don't have the red dot, you don't have the extended mag, and you don't have that compensator you already had. And so now you're carrying an AUG, but it's going to perform worse than, you know, the ground scar that you already had. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you know, not knowing how much, like, inventory you have left and having nothing left is, is huge. I hate being the guy that asks the stupid questions, like, you know, or, or points out something that everyone already knows, like the little bar next to the backpack. But while we're at it, but there's there's got to be someone who doesn't know. There's yeah, got to be for sure. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, like to me, it was obvious, but I agree. I think there's probably someone who's gonna be like, "What?" Yeah, but someone probably told you about it, like specifically when you were learning, and now it's just been around for so long that you don't think about it. But I still learn some stuff like consistently about like how these things work. Because you know how right. that came about as well. I was like, oh, the last patch, they must have put this bar in. You don't have to pass a test to, to play PUBG. You just buy it and get in there, right? So there's there's often things you don't know. Like, imagine if you just, like, got your license to drive, but no one gave a shit if you knew how to fucking use a turn signal. You'd be a BMW driver, you know? If you look at your fuel gauge in your car, there's a little arrow next to the uh, actual fuel bowser. Thing that if you look on your dash, it shows you how full you are. That little arrow actually points to what side of the car your fuel cap's on. I just got a, a new car, and when I say new car, I mean it's still like 18 years old and has the same mileage as my old car, but it runs way better because I didn't drive it for all the miles ahead of it. But it has a gas tank on the different side, and I used that. I knew that. I saw that on the internet, and it was awesome, you know. But I still mess up because I'm so used to going to the left side. <laughs> still pull up at the wrong side of the bed. I still, yeah, like I look at it, and I'm like, I got to be on the right. And then I, I still pull up on the left on the one spot, you know. And I'm like, I knew that, and I hate myself. So do you, do you move your car, or do you just pull the hose all the way over the 
What what kind of hoses do you have over there? Well, ours are like <laughs> not that flexible. Oh, really? Yeah, they look like they look on like a boom. <laughs> Damn. You've got limited reach hoses here. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of funny, right? So we we're all kind of looking at tips for inventory management, and it's really about knowing what you're trying to accomplish, right? If you're running up to an airdrop, you know it, it's you can pick a tree that's kind of far away, drop some ammo. And thinking that maybe you'll take the gun there and just have a different place. Because it's not a great idea to just sit on the airdrop. The other things we've talked about are these little shortcuts for cutting out time and splitting up loot. Which in duos and squads, as you know, happens a lot of the time. We brought up exchange rate. We brought up ammo before. Really the biggest thing to pay attention to. And really what's going to make you better is just knowing how much space you have and where you're at in the game. Right at the beginning of the game, who cares how much ammo you have, right? If you can shoot, you're good. But, it, you know, if you have 30 bullets and you shoot them all, you better have a good idea where the next one is. But in general, as the game moves on, you just have to be aware of how much space you have and what you're trying to do. You know, you don't want to be sitting on five stun grenades and passing up smoke grenades. So keeping an eye on it as the game progresses is really important. All right, let's talk about looting in the late game, specifically. Don't do it. Don't do no, it. We, we gotta. We gotta. No, no, we, we can talk about it. I meant don't loot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do not do it. We gotta, we gotta talk about the concept of looting in the late game. So I saw, I saw a post on, on Reddit this week that really this guy thought he was going to get a ton of support, I believe, and he did not. So he was like, man, I'm quitting this game until they do something about the goddamn nades. Then he shows a video to explain why nades are bullshit. Let me tell you, this is the worst example of why nades are bullshit I've ever seen. It was someone who looted for 15 seconds. And I'm sorry to this player for putting them on blast. But they looted for like 15 seconds. They decided to change their gun with nine people left on Sandhawk, I believe it was, too. And then someone threw a nade. They were like, well, but I threw a smoke. Someone threw a nade into a smoke, which is the number one thing you do when you're close enough to nade and you see smoke. Because just randomly firing is going to tell that person to reposition. A quiet nade over the sound of smoke, it makes perfect sense. Gets them down to like 2%. They don't run like way away. They just get behind the nearest tree and get blasted by another nade. You spent 15 seconds trying to pick up an SKS with six people left in a circle where your AK on single would have done the same job. And so it's just this idea of like in the late game, you have to realize that there are going to be times where you one can't get there at all or two can only go and run over for one thing, whether that be some more boost or whether that's just one stack of five, five, however big it is, right? You need a little, you might want a little extra. But you cannot go into the late game thinking you have all this time in the world to loot. Even if you think, like, well, I put a smoke down, so it should be... It's like, you if you don't have the info to know where everyone is, why are you putting yourself in this heads-down position? I think, the in general, the later the game goes, either the more conscious of what you're looking for has to go up, or you just don't be looting. I mean, in general, don't be looting late game. I, I agree with that. That's a, that's a great example of putting all of the things that we talked about into play of getting stuff into your inventory quickly, knowing what you're looking for, having a plan, right-clicking on the attachments, not mistakenly dropping the gun with all the attachments. 
But if you're spending 15 seconds messing with loot when there's nine people alive, you're not going to make it to position eight very often. So yeah, we've uh, we kind of hit everything here. We've got the new dev letter with exciting stuff around the corner. I'm actually going to try to jump in test realms. I don't know about test realm. Oh my gosh, World of Warcraft flashback. I'm going to try to jump in the test servers with these new changes and check them out. Um, hopefully you get something out of the loot management. And if, if you're trying to get better at the game, we really hope that at least talking about all those different things is helpful because it is a very interesting conversation when it comes to battle royale games so that's about all we've got for you griff you got anything else you want to chat about today uh no not really too much i think we kind of hit on all the stuff that's uh been happening around um just a heads up for anybody who follows my youtube channel i realized it's been a little slow recently um but that should be picking up here in the next uh next week i got some big stuff planned so yeah stay tuned and hope you guys enjoy the show awesome how about you heath yeah, man, I've um, relaunched my YouTube as Heathy Keithy, and I've put a video on there about how to make a giant mouse pad because I like doing stuff like that, and it's it's helped me, and I wanted to share that with other people. But why, you know, today I've asked some dumb questions and said some stupid stuff, and while I'm at it, I want to find out what this debated is. Like, I don't understand where that comes from. Can you explain that to you me? You got debated. Yeah, yeah, where, where's that from? You where got, where did the joke you come got from? Debated. Like, what does debate mean? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the Score Esports made a video on this. I will double check right now. But he's, he's like, debate a person or? Yeah, so, there, it is related to a certain person, and I would have to look it up, which I will, but. Seven months ago. I got the video. I'm sending you the link right but, now. So, the idea is that you, you know, it's just baiting somebody in general. Baiting is a thing, but debated is, like, just that twitch speak where it gets a little bit more into it yeah it's it's an actual person it's a whole thing like, it's a whole actual person like said, cool yeah yeah it's based on a person uh if you look up the uh, the score esports they have a youtube page they do a lot of stuff regarding like esports and memes and twitch memes and stuff like that and uh so they do a lot of videos explaining that shit like they just did one the other day about like what is leroy jenkins leroy jenkins yeah that's so all right funny. so jubated is a twitch tv emote Featuring the face of organizer of community effort, Alex Jabali. There we go. So it's his, it's his specific face, but it's it's basically you know you've you've tricked someone, so you've made them think. The best idea of debating, I think, in PUBG that everyone can relate to is when you throw smoke to your left, you loop to the right, and you see some dude who's just staring at your smoke through the barrel of his you know his car ninety eight, and you're just able to get the easiest win of your life. You just debated that guy. You've been debating. We're looking at recent memory. Uh, pretty sure there was a point where Trigger got debated in <laughs> the Twitch Rivals. Was going. And Chaco just roasted him with the actual song. You uh, got debated. We didn't talk about Twitch Rivals. Can we swing back to that? And we will, we will put that link in the show notes. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get a, escape it. Yeah, talk us, <laughs> tell us about the Twitch Rivals, man. Oh, uh, Twitch Rivals was insane, man! What a crazy, awesome experience. Before we go, talk about that, man. How did that happen? You, you know, you talked about it. You, you made a quick announcement saying it was gonna happen. What was your experience in Twitch Rivals? Because I'm sure people are interested to like hear about that. But I know some people probably didn't make it. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it it came out of the blue. 
uh, kind of out of nowhere, and I actually have Heath to thank for that. He actually uh, sparked the conversation that ultimately led to me being involved in that. But So thanks, Heath, for that. But also, uh, Papa Stanimus is actually someone we've had on the show before, and he's ultimately the one that extended the invite for me to be his partner in Twitch Rivals, so thanks to him as well. It was really cool. Like, I didn't have any idea what to expect. I knew that they did kind of the a couple meme games and then some more regular style games. Well, in this particular case, there was really only one regular map, which was Vikendi, and it was the very first one, which also happened to be when I was the most nervous, right? Because there's this point where you realize that you're playing with, it's a, it's a map of 64, and there's 62 other players in it. But when you start looking at the names on Twitch Rivals, it's like, oh my gosh, these people are all really good at the game in general. So it's like we're talking about it leading up to it. And it's like you got to turn Twitch chat off and we're going to take it seriously. And we had the conversation like we're going to we're going to play this seriously. We're going to play for placement. We're going to try to get kills. But we're going to be smart about it. And it just turned it, it got really intense. And so the first game actually went really well, except for the final call I had moving into the center of the circle, which just it. I'm really mad about that call. I mean, if anyone's going to make you pay for it, it's going to be Deerich and Ghost. Oh, oh sorry. murdered me. Remind me, it was Ghost who? It was a Ghost player. It was Kickstart, I Ghost, think. Yeah, Ghost, 100% who it was. Ghost Kickstart. Because they won the whole thing. They won yeah. the whole thing. They, I mean, amazing players. And, yeah, they, they, they made you pay really hard for that, that move to get in there. But... Oh, yeah, and once we got to the rock and realized the cover around, I was like, this is bad, but what do you do? Then, yeah, the elevation pitches, it was like a hill going up one way, and then it was like yep. a hill going down with a beautiful ridge, and it just so happened that, like, two people who don't miss their shots happened to have that, that downward ridge, and they were able to just keep pushing up, and they eventually got the high ground over the other team. They you Yeah, know, they started down there, and they had a, they, they were they were hard to hit from that corner, so... They were they were safe to do the moves, because you guys hit you guys hit an airdrop like randomly too, which was like the ballsier thing that you you guys went for. Yeah, there. I mean, the, there were so many moments that stick out to me from like the gameplay, but I think what what I really took away was like the event was really well run. It was smooth, but beyond that, like the support from the podcast, like everybody that showed up in my chat. And just from Discord, just from other channels and everything was insane. Like I'm checking the chat in between games and it's just scrolling and people were going nuts. So uh, really what I took away from it is I just want to say thanks. Like it was overwhelming after the first round to go into chat. Like I had a moment of like seriously being overwhelmed from being stressed out, trying to like do well in the tournament knowing who I'm playing against, being the first time in, in a tournament setting at all outside of casting one other tournament, and then having all these people watching, and I can't really even talk to them because I'm on a delay, and then I've got to shut it off in a minute. So mostly I just wanted to say thanks. Like, you guys were all out there, and there's just a boatload of people that I saw their names in chat, and I've been hearing about it ever since the event. So it, it was amazing. That's really all I have to say about it. It's just It was an awesome experience, and... Man, if I if I get a chance to do it again, I'd absolutely love to do it. Yeah, it was really fun to see like the amount of support that came through. We had 
a ton of our hot drop friends who swung through some of the first time to your channel. We had people from Drop Zone as well who showed up, showed up. Every all the people that we've been, you know, getting close and cool with were there. It was a lot of fun. Like even though you couldn't interact with chat, being in chat was like a really fun night. And I was definitely hungover the next day because I just <laughs> I had a little too much fun. But it was really, really fun in chat. Like, people were having a good time regardless of the fact that, like, we couldn't make you laugh and mess up during the game because of the delay. It was a really good time. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. Like, it was it was super cool. Like, I, I didn't really have the words to express, like, how crazy it was that I even got invited. Like, that was nuts. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, we're doing this. And then all these people came out. So, yeah, amazing. But, yeah, that's what I was kind of going to say and talk about. So... All right, so you haven't you haven't switched platforms now. You're still gonna be on Twitch after Twitch Rivals, right? <laughs> so we can find you on Twitch. We can find you on Twitter. Yeah, Twitch, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram. Basically, you search MTB Trigger on anything. That's where I'm at. Twitch is definitely the number one place, though. That's where I spend most of my gaming time and chat about games. So if you're looking for me, come find me on Twitch. That's the best spot. All right, uh, for me, you'll find me the most on the Discord and. I should start streaming, but I don't know if I care enough. So we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll test it out a little more soon. But past that, I'm going to take my time here to do a little bit of a, a challenge issue. So we talked about ammo cons conservation the whole time. What I want to do is I want to see people tell me what their games are like. And I think I think we should restrict it to solo play. I want to see how your, you know, how your day goes when you try and do one level one backpack games. That'll really force you to like conserve your loot, not carry fifteen grenades. You know, it'll it'll really make you think about how you play and, and how much stuff you're carrying around. I think that would be a, a fun challenge for people and one that probably would just make them better in the long run. So So solos and you can only use one a level one backpack. Yeah. Okay. So I mean you can still carry the essentials. Easy but clap. What's, what's essential to you? Easy clap. All right, post that chicken dinner then. Let's see it. It's definitely possible. I want to see it, and I mean, we'll have to probably use a bit of the honor system there. But I would, I would love to to see people tell us their stories about you know, even even if it went horribly, just let us know what your thoughts are. Where it's like, man, I was in the late game, and I just I wanted to pick up all this stuff, and I was like limited to this, and I died looting, and I died, you know, separating, you know, my three hundred rounds of ammo because apparently a level one can only hold that and nothing or you know whatever it is i'll boot up the game right now i don't care i think it's a good i think it's a fun challenge to make you think more like about it. your ammo conservation so that's it cool well uh, we kind of skipped over it uh griff will you let people know where they can find you you kind of alluded to it but absolutely uh find me at uh, youtube.com slash grifflicious uh and i spend a lot of time on reddit pretty much right now it's uh youtube and twitch also uh twitch.tv slash grifflicious as well so you can find me there come hang out awesome so yeah heath on youtube griff on twitch youtube reddit all those places kev is on twitter and discord primarily and i'm mostly on twitch but all of those other platforms as well you guys if you want to support the podcast and we've got some new people that have done it and we sincerely appreciate that but even a dollar per month is amazing but if you can't do it in a monetary fashion it's definitely not required and we certainly don't think of less of anybody who just likes to listen we actually like that a lot but do us a favor if you can rate us on 
iTunes or whatever platform you're using, uh, if you rate us highly, that's amazing. And if for some reason you couldn't do that because of something you don't like, please let us know. Let us know why you couldn't give us that high rating. But all of those things help us out tremendously. We always encourage everybody to come by the Discord. There's been some awesome chat about, around strategy, gameplay, just generic stuff. But most recently, there's been a tremendous amount of conversation around building entry-level PC rigs to get into PUBG and then some uh, ways to upgrade those entry levels to medium. So tons of conversation around that. Yeah, we're always there to kind of nerd out about tech issues. I think that's one of the most popular topics that we ever talk about is how we can help someone upgrade their system. And even if that's just console, like there are huge things you can do to upgrade your console experience that you might not even have thought of. And then I certainly hadn't thought of until I got like deeper into pubs. So there, you know, there's plenty of reason to just come by and, and just you, you might learn something you had no idea that could make your life like way more fun in terms of pubs. So definitely swing by the Discord. I think it's a fun place to hang out. Absolutely. And as always, thank you, Spiffy Man, for the amazing music. So, friends, there will be a ton of content in the show notes links and everything else we talked about make sure to check that out and if for some reason the platform you're on struggles to have show notes make sure you head over to podbean and find us over there the winner winner podcast on podbean that's our main rss but for today that's all we got everybody winner winner out